Welcome to Fitzroy. Good, Good morning, Fitzroy, from the McKillens. <laughs> hey, you have to look at the camera. Hello and welcome to Fitzroy's online service uh, for this Sunday, uh, October the 18th, 2020. Did somebody say this is around the 30th time that we've been putting together these online services? Wherever you're listening in the world and whatever time of the week, you're welcome. And my longing is that even though you might be watching it on your own or in a family or just as a couple, uh, my prayer is that somehow we will sense that we are part of a bigger community. The Fitzroy Church Community Visible and then God's incredible and visible community of faith worldwide. Uh, if you're if you have children, uh, right from the youngest right through to teens, then Fitzroy have some amazing stuff happening. Uh, Katie, Caitlin, Lorraine, Paul are doing some amazing stuff with our children and youth, and that's all on the website. And if you want to give, that's also uh, on the website. There will be a song played later in the service uh, by Johnny Fitch. Uh, he and I wrote this song as a kind of a uh, a breath of hope into a world of restrictions uh, at this time and oh, I would love you just to share it I, I think Johnny's done an amazing job with this song and uh, it would be wonderful if we could just share it and send it viral across the world as Fitzroy's three minutes of hopefulness into a world that needs it just now as we come to worship, there's a, a couple of verses in the Bible in my mind because you will hear them later on in the service. Uh, Jane McGurnahan prays for us today and Jane used Psalm 104 at the start of her prayer. And uh, I thought it was, th- these are wonderful words. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great and are clothed with splendor and majesty. Before we come to worship, take the splendour and majesty of that great God that we're coming to worship in. And then Holy Clements will read what the sermon's based on today. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Oh my goodness, that's enough for one Sunday or one week. We come to a God who is great. A God who is robed in splendour and majesty. A God from all eternity. Who gave all that up and became one of us. A servant. Let us worship that God.
hope you can see that I'm sitting for this next little bit of the um, service. Um, I, I want to come at it in a really gentle pastoral way. I remember thinking back in April sometime that we'd hit a six-week wall. I sense in the last week that there's a real <clears throat> heaviness across our congregation and indeed the wider society. I sense that as I hear more of you having to isolate because you've been tracked or traced being near someone who has the virus. That We hear about that maybe once a day. Some of you struggling in homes with maybe elderly parents or children. Businesses where you've invested a lot and you're closed. Uh, just so many things. And maybe one of the things I see is just we're a wee bit more fractious. Um, it seems to me that when we get to tether's end, as I'm calling this, that we become a little bit more fractious, a little bit grumpy. We're weary, we're exhausted, and uh, sometimes we, we strike out. Uh, a friend put up this week that the world is divided into those who know it all. Uh, and I think at tether's end, we all know it all. The government's wrong. Um scientists are wrong uh, everybody's wrong uh, the church is wrong and certainly the minister's wrong um, we can become very fractious and I, I know this because I, I'm not sharing it with, with with you as my congregation I share it within myself I, I, I just sense a weariness that I shouldn't have six or seven weeks after I was reading novels and watching Ballycastle Sunsets um, I, I sense just those moments where I can be fractious and uh, at a meeting recently I had to apologise to uh, to Chris Blake because I came in after being cut out of the Zoom and I was fractious and and, and, uh, and, and so I think we're all in, in this place and I suppose pastorally I've looked for that this week and, and thought where can, where can we find some salve for this, uh, this situation and I found it in Philippians 2 that we will preach the theology and spiritual formation of a little bit later on but it seems to me that there, there uh, there's a congregation who's a little bit fractious and Paul speaks into the need for tolerance and grace and humility. And so the next little section of the service, uh, our prayers, our reading, and Johnny's song, um, is is going to look at that. I think if, if if you listen carefully, you will you will see us praying in, um, breathing hope in to this fractiousness. And I want to start it with a poem that I wrote this week called um, "At Tether's End." We are at tether's end. Question after question, distanced. Far too far apart. There's too much isolation. We are at tether's end. Months of dismal headlines. People dying every day. And our friends are on the front lines. We are at tether's end. Dizzy and out of control. Hurled against our will. Weary and fractured souls. At tether's end we need Tolerance and grace, tenderness and compassion, a comforting embrace. At tether's end we need a radical humility, others always above ourselves, the spirit of like-minded unity. We are at tether's end. Where do we go to get tested? Rules are changing all the time, after all that I've invested. We are at tether's end. When we cannot visit grandma. 
Is the baby counted in the bubble? And why can't we go to the cinema? We are at tether's end. Exhausted from the fall. Fractious and pontificating. Like we knew it all. At tether's end. We need tolerance and grace. Tenderness and compassion. A comforting embrace. At tether's end we need a radical humility. Always others above ourselves. The spirit of like-minded unity. Let's pray together. Psalm 104 says, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. We begin praying by first lifting our eyes, Lord, to your otherness, your amazing creative nature, to the fact that the wind and waves are ultimately in your hands and that this world and its problems are not a surprise to you and not beyond you. In these times, allow us moments to rest in the fact that you are our God and you are trustworthy. We bring the many issues that are difficult at present before you, bringing those that we know of in our hearts before you. We pray that our leaders would have wise counsel. We pray for an effective vaccine. Thank you for the expertise of many people working to try to solve the problems that coronavirus has been causing and help us find new pockets of goodness in our currently changed world. Help us as your people to put into practice what you ask of us, to love each other well and to discipline ourselves to consider the needs of others and not to be afraid to concentrate more on serving others than ourselves. Help us each as individuals to be able to bring our unique selves and the gifts you have given us to this church family. Thank you, Lord, that amidst all of this, you are loving and caring for us, that we are in your sight and that you are present. Sometimes you seem hard to see and hard to find, but please give us persistence to seek you and determination to continue to learn what it is to follow you. And when we go to you, please do reveal yourself to us and comfort us. I pray that you would help us experience your love and care in a way that gives us energy for the tasks ahead of us. Help us walk in faith and trust you with the things that we find too big to hold and to experience the peace that comes from being able to do that. Comfort us when we're weary and renew our strength, please, when we feel weak. Could we all be able to say, as David did in Psalm 138, when I called, you answered me, you made me bold 
and slighthearted. Amen. This morning's reading is taken from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Breathe in, breathe out. Run the other way from all the doubt. Jesus, He is here in all our disarray. Beaten by the night to resurrection day. We need a breath of hope in this private space. In this body of death, we need a kiss of grace. Breathe out, breathe out. We need a kiss of grace in this valley of death, in this fire space. We need a breath of hope. Breathe out. Breathe out. Will we meet the dark? Or will we meet the death? Or will we meet the kiss? Or will we meet the breath? Or will we meet the dark? Or will we meet the death? Will we be the kiss? Or will we be the breath? Breathe in, breathe out. Look up from the dark and see the spirit is creating. Look up from the dark and you see the light sailing on the sea, tossed around by the swell. Fix eyes, press on, get to know Emmanuel. We need a breath of hope in this dying place, in this body of death. We need a kiss of grace. Breathe out, breathe out. We need a kiss of grace in this valley of death, in this dying place. We need a breath of hope. Breathe out, breathe out. Will we mean the dark? Or will we mean the death? Or will we mean the kiss? Or will we mean the breath? Oh no, no, will we mean the dark? Will we mean the death? Or will we mean the kiss? Or will we be the breath? Breathe in. Breathe out, run the other way from 
Philippians chapter 2. It may just have this week become my very favourite chapter in all of the Bible. Now, it's been an important chapter to me. In fact, Philippians has been very important to me right since the very outset of my faith. In fact, I can remember, and it may have been the night that Northern Ireland beat Spain in the 1982 World Cup, uh, speaking to uh, the Ballymena Academy CU. I had just left a year and they invited me back for their barbecue in the Port Stewart um, Sandhills and then we went into uh, Port Rush and had an awful time listening as Pat Jennings kept the Spanish out and we had that amazing historical night in the 82 World Cup. That night, I think I spoke about verses 1 to 4 of Philippians chapter 2. But I haven't been back to it for a long time. Uh, and yet this week... I have been back to it, and I'll explain why I got back to it. Um, and three things really have stood out for me this week. The passage that Holly read for us, Philippians 2, verses 1 right through to 11, and actually the lectionary reading would be right through to 13 on this. First of all, the theology. That hymn, and you've heard me talking about it over the course of the last wee while, that hymn is amazing. The incredible theology of incarnation, of the God that Jane spoke about in Psalm 104, this God of greatness and robed in majesty and splendor, becoming human. And becoming a servant, obedient to death, even death on a cross. The incarnational theology of these words, wonderful. And then, of course, death on a cross, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the work of Christ in his birth, the work of Christ in his cross, the work of Christ then and that he was raised and ascended and is getting everything's in there. If this was an early church hymn, nobody in the current world of worship writing is writing anything with this kind of succinct and robust theology. Philippians chapter 2. Whoa! But as well as the theology, there is the everyday minutiae of Christian practice in the most basic sense. It's relational. It's about relationships. Paul is talking about how theology is never in a vacuum but actually comes in to our everyday, ordinary relationships. In fact, it's really interesting in Philippians chapter 2 to see it as a spread and ask, where does this incredible theological hymn come in? Where's its context? Its context is that people in Philippi are a little bit fractious. They're having uh, a, There's a little bit of friction in the house. There's a little bit of division. There, there's a row going on and Paul is speaking into that row by very highbrow theology in very simple terms that impacts how I relate to you. Oh, the spiritual formation and discipleship of this passage is just amazing. And then I want to add a third thread to it. Paul's pastoral heart. Paul 
he's looking at the church in Philippi and he's seeing an issue that's right there that's breaking his heart. As a pastor, he's looking across his people and he's seeing the things that are going on in their hearts and souls in the world around them and in their relationships and it's burdening his heart. He wants this to be fixed and he wants it to be fixed so that he would find joy in it. It's not that he does it as a job. It's not that he has to do it because he's called by God. His joy would be made complete if they could use the theology of incarnation, redemption, resurrection, ascension, eschatology, all that theology of Jesus, if they could apply that to healing this relationship and being tolerant to one another and being compassionate to one another and finding a spirit of unity with one another, Paul would find incredible joy in that. The theology, the discipleship application, the pastor's heart holding it together. This sermon and my leading to Philippians chapter 2 came out of the third of those. I didn't start with the theology and I didn't start with the the spiritual discipleship. I started with the pastor's heart. And as I said earlier on in the service, um, before I read Tether's End, um, I just sensed a real Tether's End. We're, We're all at Tether's End. And I, I saw that coming out in all kinds of ways that just Facebook messages, Facebook threads, conversations and phones, Zoom calls, Zoom meetings, um, general chit chat. You just sense that, that people are, um, at Tether's end and actually just a, just a Facebook message or a text or an email or a phone call or just that slight word, uh, in season can actually means something uh, to people at this point because it's been seven months and we're confused and and some of us are thinking that the restrictions are uh, are some sort of punishment and they're really not we're trying to keep people alive but we're trying to keep livelihoods alive and we're we're trying to do all these things and it changes by the minute and um we had a session we had a session meeting recently where um we were reading from something that was supposed to be for dairy council rather than for the rest of us and, and there's all this stuff going on and it has us absolutely exhausted and a little bit spiritually emotionally and mentally depressed if we were being honest about it and that comes out in fractiousness it just comes out in us being a little bit more critical, a little bit more know-it-all. Um, I have a friend who put up on Facebook this week um, about that phrase that the world's divided into those who know it all. And I think at Tether's End, that's who we are. We begin to know more than the scientists uh, we always know more than the minister, but we, we begin to know more than the scientists and we begin to just be a little bit fractious, even with each other. And and and, 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 a, and a, as a pastor, there's a few things that go on there in my mind. I want us not to be divided. I don't want the fractiousness that I understand and empathise with and sympathise with because it's happening. Uh, you should have watched me trying to record this service today because it was fractious. And that's because 
I'm weary and I'm at tether's end and things that don't seem to matter most of the time do matter and you just don't have the clarity of thought. But I come wanting to make sure, number one, that that the fractiousness doesn't lead to anything more. Uh, but more than that, I want, it, I want us to um, find comfort and find compassion and tenderness. I want a salve for the way that we're feeling. But I also want it to be a time of discipleship. I want it to be a time when the theology of Jesus and his birth and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his coming again and his being in glory and all of that stuff that we believe will come into the nooks and crannies of our lives, the ordinary nooks and crannies of our lives right now and that even in the midst of our fractiousness it might be a time for discipleship growth might be the time when we begin to uh, see fruit or we see the shoots of tolerance tenderness and compassion towards others when we would become what the theology and the practical discipleship of this passage is about which is a god who was robed in majesty and splendor, becoming a baby in a manger. I constantly go on about it. We are the people of the manger, the donkey and the cross and the foot washing. That that theology would come into our attitudes towards one another. And therefore, as Paul tells us here in Philippians 2, we would always put others above ourselves as God did to us. And that putting others above ourselves would make us tolerant, tender, compassionate, not fractious. And in the midst of that, we would grow in our faith. We all need one another's tolerance at this point. And we all need to be tolerant to one another. COVID, I said right at the outset, is it 30 services ago? We haven't counted. It might help us to understand the Bible in ways we didn't before. It might help us to understand God in ways that we haven't before. And COVID is a place a space, a difficult time that can allow us to look more urgently at the theology of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done and what Jesus can do, as Paul does here in Philippians 2. It can cause us to look much more at our discipleship than we have before because we're at the end of our tether altogether. Sometimes in church, one of us is at the end of our tether. But here we are, we're all going through this together. We have this place when we can learn our theology and apply our theology and see the outworking of our theology. It's almost like, if you want to see it as this, pre-season training for a footballer. When you would, I'm back in the sandhills of Port Stewart or um, in the sandhills over at the White Rocks, where you would run up those sandhills. I remember my mate Alan Emerson and Chris Guinea when it was pre season training and they were playing in the Irish League. They hated the running up the sandhills at the start of the season. This was a space for them to start to exercise the muscles that they would need on the field. COVID, 
and Tether's End might be the sandhills of our looking more carefully at theology and are outworking the application of that theology in our relationships with one another. So Philippians 2. Oh my, what a theology of Jesus we have in that reading of Holly's earlier. Application of the theology, which there all should, always should be, into the discipleship of being like Christ, of doing the Jesus thing, of seeing others above ourselves, and being tolerant at a time when people need our tolerance. I talked the other week about the rules of six. Six months to Easter. Six things to fix in our own lives. Six people to care about. Six acts of salt and light. Today we're looking specifically at the six fixes within ourselves. I maybe need to look at my tolerance levels. And here are the sand hills of my spiritual life where I'm doing some hardcore learning of tolerance, developing of the muscles of tolerance and the fruit of the spirit in my soul at this time. We all need other people's tolerance just now. And we all need to be tolerant. So where's the manual for that? Well, the manual for that is in that incredible hymn in Philippians chapter 2 that tells us about a God who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking even the nature of a servant and dying on a cross for us. There is the model and the manual for how we live this particular moment in these strange days.
Thank you, as always, for watching our online service. There is no prayer ministry, as there usually is after a, a church service. If you want to send us some things on the website, we will promise to pray for you. Um, there is no tea and coffee, so why not go and make yourself a tea and coffee, share it with whoever's with you, and if you're on your own, enjoy that. And uh, maybe text somebody, uh, maybe phone somebody, uh, share some fellowship with each other. And as we close, let's imagine those who normally sit around us in church. Let's even look across the church in our minds and imaginations to those who are at a distance from us in church. And let's share over them this incredible blessing of the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all this day and forevermore. Amen.